Are we recording? Yes, we are. Thank you guys for tuning in to the second podcast. I don't have a title for this podcast yet. I need to work on that. But it's not really about the title. It's about the message. You know, uh, and I like to take the time to dedicate this episode to my uh, late family friend, James Graham, who passed away this morning. Um, James, I wouldn't be sitting in this spot and doing this podcast without you. So I appreciate you and rest in peace. That being said, I got four of my closest people here, man. Four dudes that I really like a lot. You know, uh, former teammates. We came in the same class 2016 together. Um, I think we have three different states represented within the group. Uh, Missouri, Kansas, and Oklahoma. So a little bit of diversity there. Um, I'm going to go around. I'm going to introduce everybody. Um, you know, talk about your major and uh, where you're from and just, you know, anything you want them to know about you. Okay, so my name is Jacob Anderson. I'm a nursing major and I'm a senior at Washburn University. I grew up right here in Topeka, Kansas, and uh, I went to the inner city schools here around town. And uh, most of my friends growing up have been from all different races. My name is uh, Gary Bunner Kruger. I'm a sports management major. Uh, I'm from Columbia, Missouri, born and raised. And yeah, just grew up in a biracial family. You know, got to see both sides of it. So that's me. What's up, everybody? My name's Cameron Spencer, but everybody calls me Cam. I'm from Ardmore, Oklahoma, kind of a small town, and I'm studying psychology. I'm a senior here at Washburn with a minor in legal studies as well. And for those of you guys who don't know me, I'm Nigel Burgess. I'm the host of this podcast that we'll name later. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to bring you guys here to have these conversations. You know, um, I think it's important that these open dialogues that can be engaged in an honest and, you know, you know, vulnerable state, you know, it's important to advance our, the things that we need for our society to go better, you know. So, um, one thing I like to talk about early on is like, have you guys ever experienced like racism early in your hometowns? Does anybody want to start off with that? Yeah, most definitely. Um, when you grow up in a, in a smaller town and you're kind of, the only African-American, not really the only African-American, but like one of the few that go to your school, you can witness and feel like a lot of subtle racism. Like people, they don't mean to say it, but they say it and they kind of realize that they say it. But, you know, when you grow up in a smaller town like that, you just experience things differently and, you know, you get the looks, you get the stares and, you know, it's just, it's different. Yeah, I would uh, I would say the same thing. You know, uh, Columbia, Missouri. We uh, we actually have the University of Missouri, so it's a big university out there. But when you go deeper into kind of the community and you go like early on, early on childhood, it's not really as diverse as you would think. Um, you don't notice this when you're growing up, but looking back on it, you are kind of segmented in where the uh, state lines are for the type for the school that you go to. So for me specifically, I went to Russell Elementary School and it was more on my side of town on the west side where most of the hood get, the hood kids would be and I would be there and you kind of notice these things as 
you got the hood school, then you got the kind of preppy school, then you got, you know, the uh, I don't know, Mexican school, I mean, Hispanic school. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the Hispanic school, you know, and it it's not really as diverse as you would think. And that was something that, you know, I grew up not even paying attention to, but then looking back on it, you kind of see those things. And then just the, the regular stares, the regular, you know, side eyes you get. So this is Jacob, and growing up in Topeka, Kansas, I can agree with what Cam and GBK said. I grew up, um, I grew up in East Topeka when I was born to about the age of nine years old, and I lived in a predominantly black community. And look, I didn't notice it when I was a kid, but looking back on it, you know, at a, in a certain part of the town, you have you know the lower income families. And um, a lot of the minority families all living and go into one, one school or one school district, which was the public district here in Topeka. And, you know, as a kid, you don't really know what racism is or how it can impact you down the road. But I actually, when I was about fourth grade, switched school districts to the, you know, the AKA rich school district or the um, outer city school district. And as a kid, I got to see firsthand the um, differences in the quality of the school, you know, um, the better technology that was um, at hand, the smaller classroom sizes, you know, the bigger budgets, just, you know, certain things like that. I didn't notice as a kid, but I look back on it and you notice how big of a difference there is, you know, and how kids are put at such a disadvantage at such a young age, you know, and... I mean, just looking back, that's just something I can just remember, you know, really pretty predominantly. And, like, <clears throat> you hit on a lot of, like, really good points because, you know, I kind of had a similar experience to you where I went I went to school for most of my life in Raytown, Raytown, Missouri, and uh, just outside of Kansas City, pretty much where the stadiums are, for y'all who aren't familiar with the town. Um, and, like... I grew up around mostly black kids, but it was pretty, it was like 60-40 in the school, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, I moved my sophomore year of high school to Lee Summit, which if y'all know where that's at, that's um, a little bit south of KC, a little suburb. Um, and it's very, very wealthy out there. And the discrepancy, as you described, Jacob, in like, you know, the schools and the quality and the technology that was available, the facilities we have for athletics and the resources. Like, I mean, the, the kids at Raytown are eating bag lunches or, you know, sandwiches and stuff before the game. And the kids at least some are eating catered Chick-fil-A every game. And after the game, if we got a road trip. You know, it's just little things that are like, you know, it's it's different, you know, and, and it's not even a completely a race thing in that regard. That's more of a class thing, you know, like that's an income thing, you know, but it seems that, you know, there is a discrepancy between who makes more money and who doesn't for lots of other reasons that, you know, that's a different conversation. But, you know, I think that's kind of cool to open up and start off with, you know, and um, I like to take this one. Next question to Jacob. Um, actually, let's go to Cam. Cam, you come from a military background. I believe your father was in the military, yes? Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. My dad was in the military for six years, I believe. 
and we traveled around a lot. We moved around a lot growing up, and I saw all different kind of cultures, all different kinds of people, and that's kind of why I wanted to major in psychology because I loved like how the brain works, how the mind works, and seeing all those different cultures and how people interact with each other in different situations is very, you know, interesting and nice to learn about. And I think it really helps you moving forward with interacting with people in certain situations in life like that when you've been exposed and experienced a number of different cultures and backgrounds. To kind of piggyback off of that, on a side note, have you noticed any, like, patterns, you know, being in different places with different cultures, like, because you've seen a lot, you have a large sample size, moving so much, you know, after going to lots of different schools, did you notice how things were different, you know, or but similar along, anyways, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I kind of want to go back to what GBK and Jacob said, like, when you have those different sections in the town of, like, you know, the black school, like the hood school, and then you have the preppy school, and then, you know, you go 20 miles down the road, maybe not even 20, maybe 10 miles down the road, and, you know, it's the country school, like, you can tell the differences, like, at the preppy school, you know, it's different technology advances, like, you just get the upper hand, you know, at the hood school, you don't get as much, and, you know, at the country school, it's just all different kinds of cultures, and the way people interact and whatnot, it's crazy. Um, so, kind of, kind of, so you're so with that diverse experience in that military background that, you, that we talked about a little bit earlier, um, and also knowing that your brother Caston is a police officer in our community, what are these like race relations and you know these issues that you've been seeing in the media and like you kind of are in the middle of it in a way, you know, because you, on one hand, I'm sure you feel like you owe the support to your family, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, you're also a black man too. And what you see that a lot of the things are you're seeing are not supposed to be doing like that. So like, you know, you want to talk on that? Yeah, most definitely. It's crazy because I get to kind of see both sides of how things work with having a brother that's a police officer. And, Tensions are tight between, you know, civilians and just police officers in the community all all over the world. Like, you know, my brother works Sunday night. He going at 430 and he get off, you know, maybe five in the morning until he get off. And, you know, I hear from him on the phone. You know, you worry about him. I worry about him on his shifts and stuff. So, you know, the tensions is tight and, you know, you worry about your family members and, you know, you support their decisions and whatnot. But. You know, you got to stick with your family and take care of your family regardless. And my brother has my support, The you know. Shout out Casting, by the way. Shout out Casting, for sure. It's, it's not an easy profession to choose being a black man in this, this age today. So all the black people that are, you know, doing the job correctly as police officers, I applaud you. Because it's not easy. It's not an easy profession to choose today. Yo, um, that's facts, bro. And having more people of color in these positions will solve a lot of the problems that I feel like we have within law enforcement. You know, and a lot of the tensions can be eased. I can speak on it personally, bro. I've never told you this story, Cam. I was coming down Gage one day, and I hit a left on Huntoon. And I saw a casting in the parking lot uh, doing something on duty. Um, 
my initial reaction to seeing a police officer is anxiety and tension and um, just a general concern to what they're doing and making sure that I'm not in the way. Um, and then I saw it was casted. And I just felt like this wave of like almost peace come over my body. It was weird, bro. I had casting up later that day and I was like, yo, like, or it might have been Samaje too. Either way, those do look, look pretty similar. <laughs> but I've seen both of them out in public doing their thing, though, you know, Samaje and Kasten. And like both of those guys being able to, you know, be out and seeing people that look like us that have our backgrounds that did the same things that we did out in the community and knowing that just for a second that if something were to happen I wouldn't be treated any differently because of how I look and I know and I know that they're going to do the job the right way and handle the situation correctly like I can trust you seeing you know a friendly face that you know I know as a police officer is very very nice to have you know what's crazy I just realized, thinking about this, that I don't think in Columbia, Missouri, that we had one black police officer. What? Wow. I really don't think so. Like, growing up, I did not, I don't remember, and going back there, I still haven't seen one. One African-American police officer. And I've, I, I, can, I can kind of piggyback on that, because I've been to your, your area before, too, bro. And I, I haven't seen very many officers of color, either, every time I've come through the town. If anybody, first off, GBK is from Missouri. If anybody, if y'all, I'm also from Missouri. If any of y'all have ever been to Missouri, okay, you got KC, <laughs> then you got St. Louis, you got Springfield, you got Columbia. That's pretty much all the places that black people live in large populations. Everywhere else is white people. And with that, you have a lot of things that carry over it. Let's not forget that Missouri was the very last state to give up that slave stuff. The very last one. So that stuff carries over, you know, into our legislature, into the, our leaders that we elect. I mean, we saw Missouri lawmakers at the Capitol. Like, as a citizen, or I guess a former citizen, but somebody who identifies from that state, like, that was sickening to know that the people who are we are electing are doing that it was weird it was weird so that's man that was that's crazy <laughs> um so jacob uh let's talk about get back to you bro um so as a white person and having a lot of not only black friends but black family members how does these these racial tensions? How do those these things make you feel? And how does it make you feel when your fellow white people don't exactly acknowledge it? So for me personally, you know, I grew up in the inner city, and I had a ton of black friends. Um, my older sister, she's married to a black man. My brother, he's married to a, a black girl, and you know. For me growing up, I don't want to say that I didn't see color, but, you know, racism for me personally, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even know it was a thing as a kid because, you know, my family, I never heard anything racist from any of my family. You know, my sister brought a black man home and we took him in like family. And for me, within my family, we judge people by their character and their heart. 
And, you know, we're real big on hard work. And to see, you know, all this stuff going on and for um, other white people to not acknowledge it, you know, it's it's really frustrating for me as a white man because I don't understand how you can look so blindly at, you know, the mistreatment that's happened in our country to, you know, the African-American race. And one of my football coaches had a pretty good quote this summer, and it went back to the Black Lives Matter and then a lot of predominantly white people countering back with the All Lives Matter. And, you know, the Black Lives Matter thing isn't saying that all lives don't matter. And I have a pretty good example. If there's 10 houses on a street and one of them are one of them is on fire, does that mean not all the other 10 houses matter? No, they all still matter, but we're going to be worried about the one that's on fire. Well, that same logic needs to be used for black people in America. They've been mistreated for 400 years. It's like starting a 100-meter dash and being 60, 70 yards behind at the start. So, for me, you know, as a white man, I really try to explain to other white people who don't get it because maybe, you know... It, they take it better coming from me than another black person. But for me, it can just be really frustrating. And personally, I'm trying to do my part. And I think that we're coming a long way just, you know, as America in general. We still have a long ways to go. But, you know, I'm trying to do my part and, you know, just keep it going. Keep the progression going forward. Yes, yeah, mad powerful. A lot of things you said that I can really attest to especially you know um just the blindness of it like i mean we all have the same eyes and we all have human empathy i would like to believe and for people to be defending it and i get it everybody has an opinion you're entitled to your opinion but you know i would just implore people to approach things with an open heart and like maybe approach it from an emotional point of view like what if that was your dad what if that was your brother what if that was your son like we have to look and see people over and over again that look like us get killed in the streets by the people that we pay tax our tax dollars to to protect us you know what i'm saying and it's like there's so not only even just the the major stuff there's so many microaggressions that come with racism like so many little things that you have to just kind of look over like little comments like you know it's it gets old it gets really old really fast you know and the moment you recognize it's happening your anxiety flares up because you know they know but you don't want to make a big deal you know i mean how many times have you guys had somebody say something racist to you in a social situation and you just had to sit there and not really react to it because of the situation like where you were Definitely a good majority of the time, man. I mean, I told uh, you guys a story um, when we were having this discussion with the football team, but there was this one day um, in high school. I was about uh, I was 16, just got my license and shit. Um, came out of this intersection, and I, um, I turned left um, about to uh, hit a stoplight, and as I'm coming out of this intersection, getting in the far left lane, because there's two lanes on there, there's a car probably about a mile behind, and Obviously, he's a mile behind. I'm gonna go. He's in the right lane. I'm in the left. I'm getting in the left lane. I don't think it's gonna be a big deal or anything. Well, he swerves over, 
gets into my lane, and he just he's just speeding through. Turns out it was a police car. He almost hits me, and to not get in a collision, I get up on the median, and I just basically like kind of go over the median because there were no cars on the uh, oncoming way and oncoming traffic. So I got up over on that side and pulled back over. He pulled me over for that. You know, I think it was his fault. <laughs> I definitely think it was his fault. You know, none of that would have happened if he didn't speed up and get in my lane. He was a whole mile behind me. Like I definitely had the space. Well, he pulls me over. You know, I'm no matter what. You know, cop pulls you over. Pull over. Um, I think you guys can attest to this. Um, you were told as kids. You know, if a cop pulls you over, it's yes, so yes, sir, no, sir. You get the glove box out, get all your paperwork out ready, ready to go, so it doesn't look like you reach for anything. You turn the light on, just make sure you can see your face, see where your hands on, hands on the wheel, you know, all that. Sitting there. He doesn't come out of his car for like 30 minutes. I'm just sitting there like, what the, what's happening? Call my mom, what's happening? She says, just turn your, turn the recording on, you know, turn the recording on and just set your phone down. All right, cool. After 30 minutes pass, there are eight cop cars surrounding me. Bro, eight cop cars. For what? A 16-year-old boy who almost got hit by a cop? You know? Excessive. 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 And he comes up to me, and what's the first thing I notice? He had his hand on his holster, man. Mm-hmm. Like. That's the, that's the default, it seems like. You know? It's, it's the default. It's like, you know, how do you not expect me to be slightly frightened? You know? And then there's been countless of, you know, little little remarks by teachers, little remarks by stuff, uh, other people that, you know, about just dumb stuff, but I can't do anything about it, you know. So that's just a little bit. I have one story. Uh, when I was growing up and we were playing, I was playing football at Raytown. It was my freshman year. It was the last game of the season. Um, and we were going to this little town called Lathrop, Missouri. I don't know. You've ever been heard of Lathrop? GBK's heard of Lathrop. Yeah. I ain't never heard of Lathrop until I went there, okay? And to kind of put this into perspective for you, um, this was in 2012 when Obama was running against Mitt Romney. All right. We were driving to the town, and I remember one of my teammates saying, he was like, Coach, what happened to all the Barack Obama signs? And the closer we got, the <laughs> sketchier it got. We saw Confederate flags. It was wild, and so we got to the, the stadium or whatever, and we're playing, and like, they're out here calling us nigger, they're out here, porch monkey, yeah, dude, take that, they're face masking, and they're cheating, and I'm like, yo, like, and the refs are like looking the other way, and the refs are laughing, and I'm like, you're laughing, and we ended up winning, because, you know, that's how you have to handle that, you gotta win. And but that that experience was crazy because the people who were put in authority were almost in on it, yeah. and that's what epitomizes almost the black experience. Like you see all these things happening in our in our laws and how our society is set up, and it's like they're in on it. They've been in on it the whole time. <laughs> it's just a jump, and it's like man, it's a lot to swallow when you, like Jacob said, you're starting a race and you're already behind. I mean. To put it into perspective, like Jacob, like your grandparents and your great grandparents have had a lot of time. I'm sure you have some immigrants in your family too from Europe or whatever. Like, you know, over the years, they've had lots of time to come and build, you know, wealth. And 
to pass wealth on and to pass along knowledge and skills and all kind of stuff that families pass along to each other. You know, you can trace back your heritage if you really wanted to. You know, it would be hard, I'm sure, because it's hard to trace that stuff back. But you could. Me, on the other hand, I cannot. I don't know where I came from. Cam doesn't know where he came from. You know, GBK doesn't know where he came from. Bro, I tried Ancestry.com one time. I tried Ancestry.com one time. And I could not find shit. <laughs> on, my, on, my, on my black dad's side, I could not find nothing. I had to go searching. I had to look up, oh, um, Larry Barnett. There was there was some. I could go like back like maybe like two years or two generations, I guess. I could go back two generations. But then after that, I had to just, you know, search for other Barnetts and then try and tie it together with other stuff, you know. And, you know, like, I can go back to a certain extent, but the further back you go, you start going into slavery. Literal slavery. I have great-grandparents that were slaves. Like, think about that. Literal property. And then to go on to be three-fifths of property, or three-fifths of people before they came to be people. You know, and that's just a wild experience to me. It's different, like... We're already behind from the jump because of that stuff. You know, it's society has a lot of ways to let you know that you're black, you know, off the rip as a kid. Am I right, Cam? Did anybody have to, did you ever wonder if you were black or did they tell you you were black? You just, growing up, you just kind of know when you put in certain situations, you know, if you go to a predominantly white school and you're the black kid, like, you can just feel it. Like, it's different you definitely know growing up the subtleties and racism and you can definitely feel the difference so gbk yes, sir. you're biracial does that complicate these things for you <laughs> <laughs> but really it's like in it's a different perspective yeah. like and i feel like a lot of times your perspectives in the matter kind of get lost because you're in the middle a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, you know? Talk about that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's definitely different. Um, first, I want to say uh, I love my family. I love the, uh, Barnett, <laughs> the Barnett family, the Kruger family. You know, they're both good to me. They're great people. They've just loved me since I came into this world, and I appreciate that, and I love them dearly. Um, but it is different, and more internally so than externally because – you know, some families aren't like this, but my family was really loving to me on both sides of the family. But internally, you look at, you see the differences. You can see the different culture. You can see the fact that, you know, uh, white families sometimes are more, what, what is the word? Are they like, they're like standoffish a little bit, or like, or like holding off. Yeah. Not like keeping their distance, but like reserved, you know, like they don't want to say the wrong thing. They're on eggshells. Yeah, they're on eggshells. They're walking on eggshells, you know. And then black families are more out there most of the time. Or sometimes they are also walking on eggshells, you know. And sometimes some family members can't come to the party. Sometimes other family members can't come to the party. Like, it's, it's those little things that, you know, is just different. But I was very blessed to be in a great family and get to see these two things and, and get two perspectives and be loved that way that I am. But... Yeah, it's it's different. You can see the world from two different point of views. You definitely can. You guys, you know, have anything else you want to talk about that's on your mind? Um, in recent news, we saw talked about the Capitol. You know, we've seen 
how crazy that was. Um, that kind of was a tipping point in a lot of things. We kind of felt these tensions building up in our culture and our in our country rather, and it was interesting to see like it actually happened. Like, and I have to ask. <laughs> I have to ask, sorry, I have to, but would it have looked that way if that was a Black Lives Matter protest? Oh, no. If, we had if that was an NAACP protest? Not at all. Where was the tear gas? And why not? And why not? You wanna? So, I was actually talking with um, my buddy Corey, um... He's one of my best friends, a guy I grew up with, went to Topeka High, middle school, elementary school with. And, you know, uh, he FaceTimed me when it was happening, and he was pretty upset about it. And, um, you know, his first thoughts were, you know, God forbid these were, you know, black people going up these steps because, you know, they may have been murdered. And that's a scary thought, you know, to really think about that if they would have been another race, it would have been a completely different outcome. And, you know... Imagine if that were all Muslims. Please imagine if that were all Muslim people doing that. Could you imagine the difference? Carrying rifles? Oh, bro. They're going all that terrorist attack. I mean, they basically already did, but it would have been... You know, they would have tried to trace back to 9-11 and all that stuff. And just made it a big ordeal and they would have definitely been dead. Like... That's just crazy. That just goes to show who's uh, protected. That just goes to show who's like really protected when it comes down to it. Because they made it all the way into the capital, like all all the way in, like and nothing. And I don't mean to interrupt you, Jake. You know, I'm saying I don't want to interrupt your point, but I just had to like highlight that. Like, imagine if that were, you know, Muslim people. If that, imagine if those people were, you know, Hispanic. Yeah. Just it's it's just not the same. And I think one of the biggest reasons that, you know, um, the police or the National Guard or, you know, state legislation, you know, however far you want to take it, why they weren't involved is because a lot of those people there, when the FBI traced back to figure out everyone who was there, it was police officers, state legislators, huge business owners, and uh, going back to the conversation I had with my friend, that's a pretty crazy thing to think about because these aren't just normal people. These are people who can have a big impact on thousands of people's lives. I mean, we're talking about business owners of corporations. I mean, God knows how many minority workers they have. You know, police officers. We know the detriment that uh, a, ra- a racist police officer can have. And, you know, even state legislators, I mean, it's, it's honestly mind-blowing to even think about. You know, we have a long ways to go as a society. Um, I did want to take this time to highlight, too, that uh, we've been kind of hard on law enforcement. But I do want to say that there are a lot of great police officers out there. And you guys are what keeps it all together. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of guys who are going to work every day. I know lots of them. Shout out to you guys. Honest dudes doing the, doing the job right and being respectful. And, you know, you guys just, we, you know, we aspired, we are inspired by you 
in these times. You know, we need you guys to stand up and be those stand-up guys. Shout out to Samajay, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to, you know, Casting. You know, like, you guys have a hard job at the end of the day that a lot of people can't do. And you're putting your lives on the line every day. And you're put into tense situations every single day. And I feel like I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge that. So, you know, for those, all first responders, we, we appreciate all you do for us. And, you know, thank you. The ones of you guys who are racist, though, come on. Got to do better. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so, um, to kind of cap this, you know, podcast off. Are there any things that you would want a white person to take from this podcast? Like, what would you want a person who maybe isn't so familiar with your experience? All of us, not just black people, but Jacob, too. Like, what would you want somebody to hear about your experience that they might not have known and take from this conversation that we had today? I mean, I think you can really just uh, take from this conversation. Try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. You know, you never know what someone else is going through. You never know what someone else is dealing with. Have an open mind, have an open heart, and just be a good person. You know, listen to others. Try to educate yourself on what's going on. Don't just turn the news on and, you know, just take a conclusion from the first thing you see. Actually do your research, educate yourself, and just have an open heart to these things. What about you, Cam? Yeah, like Jacob said, I would just really tell you to try and educate yourself about the stuff that's going on. And don't believe everything that you see on TV and everything that you read online. And never stop asking questions. Always ask why. Like, there's always a reason why. Like, always ask questions and really try to educate yourself about the stuff that's going on outside of your race to other people. And, you know, just really try and reflect and be a great listener when people are telling you about your experiences because, you know, it might hit somewhere for you. And, you know, ask yourself, what if it were me? What if it were my mom? What if it were my dad? What if my brother was a, a black police officer in the community today? How would you feel about things? So just really try and educate yourself on what's going on around here. Um, I would just say... Basically, you know, we're all human. At the end of the day, we all bleed the same. We all live the same. We all die the same. You know, we all have similar experiences in life. We're all going through this journey of life together. So why treat each other different? Why treat each other as if I'm different from you because of my skin color, you know? Try to really empathize with people. Try to really just be together. Because who do we want to be like as a nation, as a, as a country, as just a human race, really? And LeBron's a goat. And there you have it. <laughs> there you have it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in, man. I hope y'all took something from this, man. Seriously, you know, uh, it is my goal that these conversations and, you know, others on small and large scales can be what we can to, you know, progress our culture and our society and relations to make, you know, things better for our kids, you know. And for our kids' kids, you know, let's leave a better world for our kids and our parents left for us. And just keep it pushing, you know, and that's all we can do, really. So if you took anything out of this podcast, you know, take that. And with that being said, we out.